Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning to those of you that are watching online and for those of you that got here on time today, extra credit because you lost an hour of sleep. So man, good job. Uh, one of the things that uh, this time of year, I don't, know, I don't know if you have some plans, but I know we have spring break coming up and, and our family's starting to make some plans of kind of some of the things that we want to do and the weather's starting to get really good. And, and one of the things that I love about California is not obviously the gas prices, but I love that we have so much around us that we can go see. So if you want to go play in the snow, you can go play in the snow. If you want to hike mountains, if you want to see beautiful rivers, if you want to see some, some cool landmarks, man, we've got a lot of things around us. And for our family, one of our favorite things for us to see is probably like maybe you, you would say the same thing is, man, we love going to San Francisco and seeing the Golden Gate Bridge. And uh, we, because we, we grew up on, uh, I grew up in a few other shows, all the, the Golden Gate Bridge in the opening to Full House, and in a few other shows, and it would be in TV shows and movies, and, and, but we never were able to go to it being uh, living on the East Coast. But, but when we came here and when we started to visit here, man, we, we loved going to, to see the Golden Gate Bridge and take our picture in some of the same places that you and your family have taken a picture uh, in front of and and we we are it's just a super beautiful and it's an, an intriguing and it's an amazing thing and I did a little bit of study on the Golden Gate Bridge and kind of when it was built and how it was built and I mean if it was built today it would have been an amazing feat but it was actually thought up by an engineer in 1917 and they actually opened the bridge uh, I believe it was 1937 and one of the interesting things about the Golden Gate Bridge is when they were building this bridge, for the first part of the building project, they didn't do a really good job at kind of having safety equipment for the people that are building. And so you've been to San Francisco, it's a pretty windy place. And so you can only imagine being up building this thing and, and it being windy. And there were several people, I think it was 23 that in the midst of building this bridge, fell to their death. And, and I don't know what it was about the 23rd person, but after the 23rd person, they decided, you know what, we, we need to do something about this. This is not working out well. And so what they did is they put a net up under some of the places where the people were building. And so you, you can imagine that this was helpful. I mean, people still fell. But when they fell, they got to go home after the end of the day. It, they fell and had a nice ride, but they didn't die. And here's what's interesting. Once they put this net up, the guys that were working on the bridge got 25% more work done in the same amount of time. And you're like, duh. 
Why, 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 did, why would they get more work done? Because these men, they worked with more confidence and because they felt secure. They knew like, hey, if I fall, it's going to be maybe scary, but I'm not going to die. So they worked a little harder. They worked faster and they weren't worried. They had confidence and because of their confidence, they felt secure. And, and this makes sense. We use the word faith in kind of religious circles to, to describe the same thing. And, and this makes sense to us. Whether you're somebody that's a follower of Jesus or whether you're somebody that's kind of investigating this whole thing, this makes sense to us. Because faith at its simplest form is simply this. Faith is confidence in someone or something. Let me, let me say that again. In its simplest form, faith is confidence in someone or something. Right now, as you sit there, as you watch on TV and you sit on your couch, as if you're here with us, you're sitting in a pew, you are exhibiting faith. I promise you, you probably have not thought one time while I've been talking, man, I hope this thing holds me up. Am I going to like get embarrassed in the middle of this message because my, my pew is going to collapse? You probably watching uh, you know, at home you're sitting on your chair or your couch, and you probably haven't thought one time, man, I hope this couch holds up. No, no, we exhibit faith almost all day in different areas. We exhibit it every day, and we exhibit it all day. Like last night, you set an alarm based on faith. When you set your alarm last night, you didn't, I hope you didn't, but you probably didn't stay up after you set your alarm and just have anxiety like, man, I hope that alarm works. No, you set your alarm and by faith you had confidence that, hey, it's going to be a little earlier than normal. At least it's going to feel that way, but it's going it's to ring or it's going to sing to me at the time I set it. This morning when you chose what you were going to eat for breakfast, you did it by faith. When I, when I chose what I ate for breakfast, I ate the same thing for breakfast that I eat every single Sunday. We go to Starbucks, we have like a standing order there on Sunday morning, and I eat a chocolate chip perfect bar. And when I ordered my chocolate chip perfect bar this morning, I did it with faith. I did it knowing that, man, when I eat this thing, it's going to taste good. When I eat this thing, it's going to fill me up. I, I'm going to like this thing. And I, I, I didn't order it. And then as I waited to get up to the drive-thru window, like, oh, I don't know. Is this one going to be good? Is this, I mean, am I going to throw up after I eat this thing? No, I just, by faith, because I've had it before, I had confidence in it. Tonight, some of you, you're going to watch a TV show and you're going to exhibit faith. You've been watching a series on Hulu or Netflix and tonight you're going to veg out and you're just going to go to the next show and you're not going to sit there and worry about it. No, you love this series. You've loved all the shows. So you're going to hit play because you have faith that, man, it's going to be a great show. I love this show. See, faith is simply confidence in someone or something. And so if that's true, if, if faith is simply confidence in someone or something, then let me ask you a couple questions that you would expect a pastor to ask you. You ready? Here, here's the first one. Do you have faith in God? You're like, yeah, of course you're going to ask me that question. That's kind of what you got, guys like you do. 
Do, do you have faith in God? But, but Chris, that's a, that's a pretty broad question. And so let me, let me kind of break it down a little bit more. When I, when I ask, do you have faith in God? Here's what I'm really asking. Do you believe God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do? Do, do you believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do? Do you have faith? Do you have confidence in God? And here's the second question. If you're watching online or whether you're here, here's a second question I want you to think about. Is your faith in God growing? So, so first question, do you have faith in God? Do you have confidence in God? Do you believe he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he would do? But then the second question is simply this. Is your faith or confidence in God, is it growing? You, you might be sitting there like, is that even possible? Is it, is it possible to grow my faith? Is that even something you can do? Well, well think about this. What, what would your life look like if you had a growing confidence in God? If you had the type of faith that when everything hits the fan, that you are confident that God is with you and that he's going to use this circumstance for your good and his glory. What if you had that type of faith and it was growing? Well, what if you had a type of faith that, that pushed you to step outside of your comfort zone to obey God even when you were uncertain about the results? What if you had that type of growing confidence in God? Well, what if you had a, a growing confidence or faith in God that moved you to do the right thing even when you didn't know what the results would be? What if you had a type of growing faith in God that wouldn't allow fear to hold you captive. Is it possible? And, and if it is, what would your life look like if you had a growing confidence in God? Even as I say that, some of you are thinking, you know what, I don't even know if that's possible, Chris. I, don't, I get it, and that would be really cool, but I don't really know if that's possible because in your mind, if you're honest... When you think of that type of faith, you think, man, that's like for the people I read about in the scripture. Like that type of faith, that's like for David and for Paul and for Esther and for Joshua. Yeah, yeah, that type of faith, that's like in the Bible, Old Testament, but, but I don't know about that. And, and what we do is we kind of put those people in the Bible, we put them kind of in the same category that we put Captain Marvel and Captain America. It's like that type of faith is for the superheroes. The super Christians, but that, that type of faith isn't for us. But, but what, if it, what if it was for you? Well, what if it wasn't just for the superheroes you read about or you've heard about in the Bible? What if it was faith that you could have? And, and what if growing, bold confidence in God was something that was available? And, and I'm here to tell you it is. And you're like, of course you would say that. You're a pastor. But, but, but it is. It is available. That, that The same type of faith that you read about when you hear about Paul and David and Esther, that same type of faith is available to you and to me. So, so which leads us to this obvious question. Okay, Chris, I, I don't know if I buy into that totally, but if I was going to buy into that, that that type of faith was possible and it was available 
then, then my question would be, okay, how do I develop that type of growing faith? Well, I can tell you this. It's, there's no pill. There's no red Kool-Aid you're going to get on the way out. That's gonna, I mean, if there was a pill, I'd get it. I'd, 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 I'd take a few every day. If there was a pill we could take to like, man, if I, if I just take one of these a day, then man, I'm going to have growing faith. I'm never going to doubt God. My, my faith is going to be bold and courageous. And I'd buy that pill, but there's no pill. There's no magic formula. There's no, hey, if you go to church three out of four weeks a, a month, and if you give a little bit of money here, and if you do that, then you're guaranteed growing faith. No, it's none of those things. But, but here's, here's what we do know. If you were to map out the journey of someone whose faith is growing, there are some clear and consistent elements that you would see in all of those people's lives. If you were to look at somebody's life, and maybe you have some examples in your life, I hope you do, and, and you were to look at the, the journey of someone who has had growing faith, you would see some clear and some common elements in each of their lives. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at five elements that God uses to grow our faith. And the first one we're going to talk about today is providential relationships. Because every single one of us has a story. And here's what I mean. If you have a growing faith, then you have a story similar to this. Hey, there was a time in my life where, you know, God seemed to just drop this person into my life, or I met this guy, or I met this girl, and God just put them into my life, and, and because of the relationship that I had with them, and, and because of how they loved me, and because of how they challenged me, man, I, I got back into church, or I started living for God, and, and, and God used that person that he put into my life to help me grow in my faith. If you have a growing faith, then you have a story similar to that, where you could point to different people, providential relationships that God put in your life that you would say, that person was a catalyst to me taking steps in my faith. But, but here's the thing, those type, of, those type of relationships and the type of relationships that really help our faith to grow, they're not shallow relationships. And in fact, there's a, there's a prerequisite to these type of relationships. If God's going to use a relationship to really help you grow your faith, the prerequisite is this. You must be willing to be known by someone. See, these type of providential relationships, they're not fake. They're honest. They're real and, and when we have these types of relationships where people really know us, these are the type of relationships that God can use to grow our faith. We, we've got to be willing to be known by someone. But here, here's what most of us focus on. We, we don't necessarily want to be known by someone. We want to be known for something. And here's what I mean. We work really, really hard at managing an image. There, there's certain pictures you post, and you post them on purpose. There's certain pictures you don't post, and they, you don't post them on purpose. There's certain places you go on purpose because of who's going to be there, because of, of, of what you want to be known for. There's certain people you try to hang out with, all with the idea that, man, I, you're, you're trying to be known for something. 
And what happens is we get to a place sometimes where, man, we are known by a lot of people, but no one really knows us deeply. Yeah, you're, you might be known by thousands, but no one really knows you. There's no real relationships. And, and that becomes really dangerous. And, and if we're honest, it just feels safer that way. I mean, if we're honest, it just feels safer. It feels safer to kind of lie to ourselves about where we really are in our life. It, it feels safer to, to kind of lie to ourselves about what we really struggle with. And it feels safer to, as we lie to ourselves, we kind of convince ourselves that we're okay. It feels really safe to keep people at arm's length so that they don't get in and find out how we really are. And so it just feels safer. And so we, we work really hard at being known for something, but not necessarily known by someone, not in a real relationship. But, but for God to really use these providential relationships we have to be willing to be known. And if you look in the New Testament, we're going to do that here in a second, you'll see how, how God used providential relationships, and you'll see instruction of how God instructs us to, to be involved in these types of relationships for the good of ourselves and the good of others. One of those places in Scripture is Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews, he's, he's talking to a bunch of Jesus followers who are tempted to walk away from Jesus and go back to their old lifestyle. And, and here's the instruction the writer of Hebrews gives to them, and it, and it so ties in with what we're talking about today. It says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, And let us consider one another... Just in that statement, let us consider one another. So instead of focusing on ourselves, which seems to come natural, the writer says, hey, I want you to think about, I want you to have concern for other people. Why? He goes on, he says this, in order to provoke love and good works. I want you to consider one another's. I want you to think about one another's. I want you to have other people on your mind. Why? Because I want you to stir them up. I want you to provoke them or incite love and good works. I want you to be in each other's lives. I want you to get involved in each other's lives so that you stir each other up towards love and towards good works. And then he says this, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. He says, I want you to consider one another because I, I, I want you to consider one another because I, God wants to use you to stir each other up towards love and good works. But then he says, man, don't neglect being together. And in order to really stir each other up, in order to encourage each other, in order to really consider one another and really know each other, you, you need to spend time together. It's vital that you spend time together, that you prioritize being together so that you can stir each other up towards good things. 
I think we've all, like we could amen that because, man, we've all kind of experienced now what it's like to not be able to be together. And yeah, you can, you can stir each other up a little bit over Zoom or over the phone or over text, but, but there's nothing like sitting across a table with someone that you love dearly, that knows you well, that you know well, and, and you love them enough to tell them the truth. They love you enough to tell you the truth, and you mutually encourage each other towards the right things. Something special about those types of relationships. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, man, you, you need to be a part of those types of relationships because time is short. Time is short. See, when you became a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you liked it or not, you joined a family. But when you stepped over the line of faith and you, you joined and, and you became a follower of Jesus, you joined his family. And do we have some crazy uncles in this family? For sure. We, we got some crazy crazies in, in this family. And there's some people like, man, I don't agree with what they say. And just like every family, man, yeah, there's some people that we don't, that we don't endorse and all that. And there's definitely some crazies. But, but here's what, what you'll see if you look in the New Testament. God created us to enjoy our relationship with him in the context of our relationship with his family. And so these types of relationships where God puts people into our life that stir us up and, and we do the same, this is one of the ways, one of the elements that God uses to grow our faith. It's these providential relationships that stir each other up and consider each other above themselves. There's another New Testament passage, and in this passage in Galatians, Paul, he kind of goes a little bit further, and he talks about the importance of these relationships and what happens in these relationships. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, he says this. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person. With a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. He says, hey, brothers and sisters, man, you're part of the family. If there's someone who's been overtaken, this idea of overtaken is someone that's apprehended. Someone that is taken by surprise. Somebody that is caught red-handed. If somebody in the family has been caught and is involved in something that's not helpful... He says, those that are around that person, those that are walking with God, not prideful, not saying, hey, you shouldn't, you know, I'm better than you know, humble people that love God and love this person. It's those types of relationships should be there. And he says it this way. He says, I want you to have those relationships and those relationships will restore, help restore. That word restore is the same word when you go to the doctor with a broken arm and the, the doctor kind of sets that arm in place so that it heals? It's the same word. Paul's saying, hey, you, you guys, you're, those that have been overtaken, and, and here's the bottom line. Every one of us is going to blow it. Every one of us has blown it. So, so when that happens, you want to have 
people in your life, you want to have relationships in your life with people that are humble and have a love for Jesus Christ and a love for you. And those people in a gentle, with a gentle spirit are going to help restore you. They're going to help you get back up on your feet. And what's sad is when, when someone that, that doesn't have these types of relationships, when they fall or when they, 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 they get out of hand or they start to go the wrong way, and when you don't have these types of relationships, it gets uglier quicker. Because these types of relationships, these providential relationships that God puts in our life to help us grow in our faith, they almost act as that net. When we fall, when we stumble... We have a group of people around us that help, that catch us, that tell us the truth, that restore us, that walk with us. And they don't walk with us out of pride because they know, man, any day they could be the same. They could have done the same thing. They, they walk in humility and God uses those providential relationships to grow our faith. And, and Paul goes on and he says this, and this is so applicable. He says in verse 2, he says, I want you to carry one another's burdens. This idea of burdens is, man, every single one of us, whether you're 17 or whether you're 97, every one of us has things in life that burden us. Just natural, normal life stuff that burdens us that we just all deal with. But then there's also moments where there's some extraordinary stuff that's beyond the norm. And, and some of you are even dealing with some of this stuff right now. And where, where you're dealing with some stuff that's not just the normal burdens of life, but there's some extra burdens in your life. And what Paul says is, hey, you're not supposed to carry those extra burdens. You're supposed to have people in your life that when those extra burdens come, that there's people that help you carry them. Everybody's going to carry their, their normal burdens and, and do their thing. But man, when those extra burdens come, you, there's going to be relationships in your life that help you carry those burdens. You're not supposed to carry them alone. And he ends, Paul, Paul ends by saying, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. When you carry each other's burdens... When you have relationships in your life that, that help you grow your faith by carrying each other's burdens and by restoring each other when you fall, when you do that, you're, you're acting like Jesus. You're fulfilling what Jesus would want you to do. You fulfill the law of Christ. So as we lean in, to these relationships, as we lean into these providential relationships that, that God, maybe we had no control of it, but God put them in our path and we look and we say, because of that relationship that God put in my life, my faith grew. As we lean into those, what we're doing is we're growing ourselves, but we're also helping the family of God get better and we are being obedient to what Jesus wants us to do. Which leads us back to those couple questions that I asked you earlier. If you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, those couple simple questions. The first one is we think about confidence and faith. Do we have confidence? Do we have faith in God? 
do we believe God is who he says he is? And do we believe that God will do what he says he will do? Do we have confidence? But then that second question that we we need to grapple with is is not just do we have it, but is our faith in God growing? Am I more confident in God today than I was a year ago? Is my faith growing? And when, whether you're somebody that grew up in church or whether you're somebody that's still investigating this whole thing, whether you're somebody that's been following Jesus passionately for decades, here's what I am extremely sure of. And, and, and I say this, it, I feel like, man, I can say this and say 100% true. Here's it. God wants your confidence in him to grow. I'm, I'm sure of that. Whether you're somebody that's investigating faith, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, whether you're 17 or whether you're 97, God wants your confidence and my confidence in him to grow. He wants that. And he has provided several elements, and and we're going to talk about a few others next week, but he's provided several elements that will grow our faith, and one of those is providential relationships. But, but when you look in Scripture, here's how God, at least how I read Scripture, God seems to move when we move. I mean, could God provide you these type of relationships if you're sitting in your parents' basements playing video games every day of your life and you never leave? Yeah, God could still provide you with some providential relationships. God's God. He could do whatever He wants. But, but the, the normal way that God seems to move is when we, when, when we position ourselves in places for these relationships to happen, God seems to bring them. And again, could, could God bring these relationships if you went into a dark room and never left it for the next 10 years? If he wanted to, yes. But God seems to bring these types of relationships into our life when we position ourselves for these relationships. And so as you, as, you, as you think about that, I, I want to say something that you probably never thought you would ever hear a pastor say. And, and here's the thing. The, these types of relationships that we're talking about, coming to church on Sunday morning is not the best place for developing these relationships. You're like, what? You're like telling us not to come to church? No, no, no. I think coming to church on Sunday morning enhances these relationships. I think coming to church on Sunday morning does a lot of other things for you that we need. And so I'm not telling you not to come on Sunday. But I'm telling you this, that the the place for these types of relationships to be built, the best place is not usually sitting in a row on Sunday morning. And and here's what I mean, because you can sit in a church row for a decade and never really be known by anybody. I mean, you can come and sit in the same row every single week for 20 years, and you can have a few shallow relationships, how was your week good, how was your week good, high five to you, have a good week, and come back and do it again next week. I mean, we can do that. I mean, think about it. Just look, look at, don't, don't get awkward, but just look at the people around you. 
You, you probably sit in about the same place you sit normally, and you probably have some of the same people that are sitting around you, and, and you might know their name, and you might have shaken their hand, or you might have given them a high five when they came in, or you may have, you know, hey, what do you do for work? What do you do for work? And just kind of a shallow, a polite relationship, but you don't know them, and they don't know you. See, here at CityWalk, by far the best environment to position yourself for these type of relationships is in groups. And honestly, it's the best part of our church. If you're a student, that happens on Wednesday nights in city students. They have small groups. If you're an adult, we have city groups that meet throughout the week all over our city and really all over our region. And in these city groups, there's, there's about 12 to 16 adults. Most of them meet once a week, and, and the, they, they meet for about 10 weeks. And then if you hate the people in your group after the 10 weeks, there's a break, and you can get off. Like you, It's an off-ramp. Like, these people are weird. I'm not going back to this group. Or, or I heard they have better food at another group. I'm signing up for that one next term. So, so they last for about 10 weeks. And kind of the, the city groups are designed around three things, and it's not super complicated. The first one is social interaction. We want you to know people. My, my wife, she said this to me, and I, I was talking to somebody else this week that kind of said a similar thing. We want you to have somebody to sit with that you know when you come to church. And if you're in a group, you're going to know about 14 to 16 people that you're going to know well, and you would feel comfortable just, hey, can we sit with you? Yeah, absolutely. Social interaction. Spiritual growth. In our city groups, you don't have to be uh, like, know your Bible. You don't have to like know all of theology. What we do is we, and we discuss with about five questions based on the message, and we just ask those questions, and we discuss it and try to help each other apply the scriptures and grow. And then the last thing is, is intentional service. We try to, as city groups, choose different projects that we're going to serve together and do small things, like we're going to stuff Easter eggs for Easter. You know, coming up in some of our city groups, things like that. We're, we're going to serve. And, and Lori and I, we, we love our group. We, we love our group so much. And over the last year, we have grown in our confidence in God because of the relationships we have begun in our group. And, and there are weeks, and you're like, man, I don't think you're probably not supposed to say this. But there are weeks I don't want to go to my group. I'm like, dang it, I'm tired. How can I get out of tonight? You know, I'm having that little discussion. Like, no, I can't. But here's what I promise. And this has happened to me every time. The nights even that I'm like, oh, I'm a little tired and I wish I wouldn't go to my, I didn't have to go to my group tonight. I leave and every single time I'm super thankful that I was there. Just this last week in our group, we, we meet over in the fellowship hall on, on Wednesday nights. And I wasn't leading the group. I'm just, I was just part of the group. And we were having a discussion in our group, and I literally just in the quietness of my heart as we were having this discussion, I just said this to God, God, thank you for, for what you're doing in this room. I just saw God work, and God was working in my heart. I saw God working in other people's hearts. I saw relationships, and I, would just, I just felt like this overwhelming gratitude, like, God, I'm so thankful I get to be a part of this. And, and those groups are so important. And, and here's what I know. Here's what I know. 
God wants to grow my confidence in Him. He wants to grow my family's confidence in Him. And He wants to do the same for you. He wants to do the same for your family. And one of the elements, and there's several, but one of the key elements that He uses to grow our faith is providential relationships. And so here's my question for you. Would you be willing to position yourself for God to initiate faith-building relationships? Would you be willing to say, hey God, I'm going to put myself in a place where you could provide me some of those faith-building providential relationships that could really be a catalyst to help me grow? And maybe for you that means that, man, at the end of this 10-week term here in a, in a couple weeks, when it's time to sign up for this next term of small groups, maybe for you, the step you take is saying, hey, we're, we're jumping in one. We're, we're going to sign up for a group. We're going to take that step. Maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe, maybe for you, there's another area where, where you're going to step out to kind of position yourself for God to give you those types of relationships. And will it push you out of your comfort zone? It probably will, but most good things do. Will you regret it? No, you'll wish you had done it sooner. And here's why. And let me end with this. I want you to think about this statement. Whether you're online or whether you're here this morning, whether you're listening to this on a podcast. And here's the statement. Here's the why. We will never be free if we are not known. You can never truly be free if nobody really knows you. I mean, you can come in a room and pretend for the rest of your life and, and no one really knows you. And so there's things that you struggle with. There's things that you battle with. There's burdens that you carry that you're never going to be free of if nobody really knows you. And I can tell you this, God doesn't want that for you. He actually sent his son Jesus to take our sin, to die on the cross, to pay for that sin. He went into a grave, he rose from the grave, and one of the biggest reasons he did that is so that we could be free. And, and so for us to be free, we have to be known. And, and so I want to encourage you, whether you're somebody that's a longtime follower of Jesus or whether you're somebody that's still investigating faith, I would encourage you to position yourself in a place where God could provide you with some relationships that will build your faith. And I promise you this, you will not regret it. Let's pray. Maybe you're here and, and with every head bowed, and every eye closed as we kind of, you know, just kind of prepare to close things out. And I pray, just wanted to say a couple more things. If you're here and, and you're somebody that's follower of Jesus, maybe for you it's, you started following Jesus in the last few weeks. Maybe for you it's been decades. Maybe you've been following him for a long time. I, I can tell you with confidence that God wants you to experience freedom. And this happens when we're known. And so let me ask you, who really knows you? Who, who pushes you towards what's right? 
Who's with you when you are carrying those burdens that are not even the normal things in life, but those heavier burdens that come into life sometimes? Who's in your life that helps you carry those? God wants to provide you with some faith-building relationships. And so would you just, in the quietness of this room, would you be willing to just tell God, God, I'll position myself. I'll take a step. And God, I know it's your, your job. You're the one that has to provide these relationships, and you're the one that's going to build my faith because of them. But I will take a step to position myself in a spot where some of those types of relationships can be built. And maybe for you it is. It's, it's hey, we're going to jump in a group. Maybe for you it's something else. But you'd say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be known. Maybe you're here and, or you're watching online and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus for whatever reason. You just have not chosen to follow Jesus yet and really step over the line of faith. Well, for you, I, the first relationship that I would encourage you to take a step towards is your relationship with Jesus. He, he loves you. He wants you to have freedom. He, he wants to walk with you through life. But he doesn't force himself on us. And so if you're watching online or you're here this morning and, and you'd say, man, today's the day that I, I want to step towards, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. And you can just do it in the quietness of wherever you're at. Just talk to God, just in the quietness of where you're at. Just tell him, tell him, God, I... I admit to you that I've done things my way. I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. Just tell him. God, I, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead for me. And then just, just invite him. God, would you just come into my life? I want a relationship with you. Would you transform me? The scripture tells us that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. So just do that. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and, and you, you made that decision, would you just let us know? You can do that by filling out a card, the decision card right in front of you. Then put it in the offering plate on the way out. If you're watching online, you can just go to citywalk.cc and, and there's a card there. And we just want to answer questions for you. We want to rejoice with you. And so if, if you've made a decision, man, just let us know by that card. Maybe you're here and you, you just have a prayer request or it's just something that right now is a heavy burden on your heart. There's a prayer card that you can fill out. And you can also drop that in the offering basket. We want to walk with you. Jesus, I thank you for what you did for us on the cross. I thank you that you rose from the grave so that we could be free from sin and that we could walk in freedom. I pray that you would show us our next steps as we seek to put ourselves in a position for you to build our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.